0: Hi, welcome to Coast Hills Church Weekend Online Sermon by Pastor Chet Lowe. We invite you to attend our services on Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. Our address is 5 Pursuit, Alicia Viejo, California, 92656. We hope to see you soon. and God bless. Our scripture reading this morning will be found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, If you need a Bible, there's a Bible right in front of you in the back seat pocket, or you can follow along on the big screen above me. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he, speaking of Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for so many that have gathered this morning in obedience to scripture, to hear the word and to apply it to our lives. And my prayer, Lord, over the course of our time together, that you would speak to us in a way whereby you are glorified. Challenge us to change in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you have your seat? We're going to continue our study in John's Gospel, chapter 4. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Some of you are wondering, will we ever get out of John 4? Today is that glorious day. We will get out of it and get into a little of John 5, I pray. I have hope that we will do it. Uh, John, chapter 4, if you want to turn in your Bible there, John's Gospel, chapter 4, the title of our message The title of our message this morning is The Journey of Faith, The Journey of the Faith. Let me uh, catch us up to speed with where we're at. Jesus is enjoying the celebration of souls from John chapter 4. He's just come from Samaria and he's enjoyed a great harvest at his word. He simply told a woman all that she had ever done. She went and told an entire village. And now an entire village has come to Christ as he's celebrating this incredible harvest. For two days he remained there in a Samaritan village as a Jew. And he, he began to explain to them, he basically caught their mind up with what happened in their hearts. And now, well now we learned last week he has entered into Galilee. And he's received there. He's received by the residents. And John was very uh, careful to point out last week that he didn't go to Nazareth because he was rejected there. If you remember, they actually tried to throw him over a cliff. And we talked about the responsibility that each one of us have to share the gospel, but it's Jesus' responsibility to save We plant seeds. We may harvest, we may plant, but the truth of our existence is to do the will and the work of God. Well, the Galileans, they had been to the feast with Jesus. They had seen all that he had done. They saw his authority in the temple as he commanded the Pharisees as they made a business out of worship. The way he was in healing people, they heard the truth that he spoke. And they watched the life that he lived at this festival. And so when Jesus was on his way from Judea back up to Galilee, the residents of Galilee had received them. They were excited that Jesus was in their town. He had come back to Cana. Yet, there was quite a different scene happening in a town over 20 miles away from where Jesus was much different than the celebration that was going on as Jesus entered Cana. Would you pick it up with me at John chapter 4, verse 46? So he came, speaking of Jesus, again to Cana in Galilee. Now, if you remember, that is where he made the water wine, and John reminds us. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. Quite a different scene in this home. The parents of this young child felt helpless, As they watched this possible newborn infant, so the Greek word would describe, was lying in bed sick with fever. This was an official. Most likely he worked for Herod's court. And that means that he was a person of means. And I'm sure as a mom and a dad, as we would, they had exhausted all forms of medical assistance and spent every dollar that they possibly could to get their child well, yet to no avail. The child laid in bed with a high fever. Quite a different scene that was going on in Cana. Here in Capernaum, there are parents with a child And they don't know if this child will live or die. And after having exhausted everything, well, the parents there in Capernaum, they'd heard about this Jesus. They'd heard that he had turned water to wine. There was no texting. There was no CNN. There was no Fox News. But one thing I learned living in a third world country in Liberia, word travels faster than a text message. Trust me. Before I would go into a village, they already knew and were prepared with dinner. How they found out, I have no idea. But word had spread about water to wine. They'd heard how he'd healed the sick. John tells us if he was to write down every miracle, there wouldn't be a library in the world that could contain it. he had caused the lame to walk. He made the blind to see, and news of Jesus was catching like wildfire. Though because he was a part of Herod's court, they had ignored this prophet from Galilee. Now, now Jesus had a a different tone in their ear. Quite possibly, was it that Jesus was their only hope? To me, it's amazing what the Lord will do to get our attention. He loves us. He loves us so much that he doesn't want anyone in this room or in this world to perish. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter that he's not willing. He doesn't will anyone to perish. God's will. Oh, Timothy, uh, Paul lets us know as he writes Timothy. He says, why don't you pray for everyone? Because God's heart is that everyone is saved. No, he's not willing that anyone should perish. There's nothing like a child to get the attention of a parent. There's nothing like the plea of desperation for your child to get your attention and to get you focused on what is really real. For me, God had to get my attention. I'd come to the place in my ministry career where I thought being in Africa was the only place that I could that I could minister. Uh, being in Africa, it was just it was just too supernatural. I mean, it was almost like Moses. When I hit a rock, water came out. I mean, I had been ambushed and not yet shot. I had been jailed and not yet uh, 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 sentenced. I had been, well, I'd gone through rebel territory like Moses passed through the Red Sea. I mean, the UN was using me as an opportunity to go speak to the rebels. I was an ambassador between these two groups. It was just supernatural, all that God was doing. And when I came back to the mundane, material United States of America, I just couldn't handle it. And so many years ago, I thought to myself, I need to get back to Liberia until one woman, one faithful woman said to me, I don't know why you're laughing, Are you sure that God is not answering you according to your idols? Not listening because I hear from God and she doesn't. (laughs) I got on a plane and took my family and we headed back to Liberia. I had a dream. and this dream, there was... Hundreds of snakes at the bottom of my bed. And all of a sudden, one snake came and tried to eat me. Now, I was on mefloquine, an anti-malarial drug. It makes you slightly psychotic. So that's probably where my dream came from. And if you think I'm crazy, blame the drugs, okay? And here's what happens. I wake up and I'm holding this snake like this. My wife wakes me up. And I say, Andrew, this thing was about to swallow me. No, really, it was real. It was about to swallow, I'm telling you. And we told a friend of ours who was a praying woman. She was an African lady, I told her this dream, and she came back to me the next day and she said, Chet, you are about to engage in a spiritual warfare. There will be one thing that comes upon you that you will think you will not survive, but have faith in God, he will deliver you. So my wife and I, we engaged in 30 days of fasting and prayer, in prep, believing what this woman had told us. And 30 days later, the next thing that happened to me was mumps. You think these cheeks are natural. No. This is the result of mumps. And I got it. And my son's got it. And as I watched us with disease, the next, I go on a trip to minister to child soldiers. I'm working for God, man. Six-hour trip. Four hours into the jungle. And when I got to this rebel base, I'm speaking to the commander, who's all of probably 15 years old, And I'm begging him for his kids, and in the middle of the conversation, I feel it. Malaria. For me, it starts in my fingers. And I knew I had a four hour walk, and I had a six hour drive to the nearest hospital. I'm walking along, and I don't think I'm gonna make it, and just when you think you've got it bad enough, it starts pouring monsoon Liberia rain. Now I'm soaking wet. I'm shaking like this as I'm walking. Malaria is a dreadful disease. It's the world's number one killer. I get finally to the car about six hours later, it took me. And when I get in the car, the roads have washed out. We have to cut down two trees with our Toyota Tacoma, and we've got to put these trees on the road and then very carefully put our tires on those trees and cross this rushing river of where the road was cut. They tell me, get out of the car in case the truck falls into the river. I say, let it fall. I'm ready to go. We go about three more hours in the middle of this monsoon, and I'm about done. We stop at this village, and this chief comes up to my window and sees me and then looks at the driver. I'm right behind him, and he says to the driver in an African whisper, leave him here. He's not going to make it with every lick of strength that I had, I there's my Bahamian lick, with every bit of strength that I have, I grabbed the collar of the driver and I pulled him to me and I said, if you leave me here, we will both die. Because Africans, they have this wonderful way to put all kinds of medicines in you until you're well. They poison you in the process of trying to help you. I didn't want to get stuck in this village. All the while as this is happening to me with no phone call, no text message, no nothing, my wife she has contracted pleurisy and pneumonia. When I get back, she has literally dropped to about 85 pounds. I look at her one day as she's changing, seeing that there's a problem, and I say you're going back to the states. She refuses cuz Liberia's in the middle of war. She doesn't want to get separated again. So I went to town, I bought her a plane ticket. Her and the girls, and I told her, hey, let's go for a drive. I drove all the way to the airport, handed her her ticket, and said, God bless you. I'll see you in the States. Literally, that's how it happened. She got on the plane and realized it was as bad as what I thought. She began to cough blood. Our daughter was one year old at the time. Now I'm going to catch you up to speed. Two weeks prior to this moment, two weeks prior to this moment, my daughter Abigail, was hel- hol- I was holding her in my hands. She had contracted malaria when we had gotten mumps. And at five years old, as I was praying over my child, my child did the death gurgle and went, <sighs> and went flaccid in my hands. Out of my mouth, I said, Oh God, did you bring us here for my daughter to die? My wife, having so much more faith than me, Jesus, please bring her back to us. And in a moment, my daughter went from this (gasps) to this. And I really believe I watched Jesus resurrect my daughter from the dead. And what seemed like an eternity probably was 30 seconds to a minute. Now, back up to this two weeks, now my second daughter, Elia, she's a year old. And at a year old Andrea had to stop nursing her because she was so sick when she arrived in the United States of America. But what the doctors in the states didn't know, by stopping the nursing, it slammed my daughter right into cerebral malaria. Immediately, she was entered into the ICU, and Andrea calls me and says, Chet, you need to come home. I said, I can't. We don't have enough money. It's me and the three boys. It's going to be close to $6,000. We, we, we came here by faith. We live month to month. I don't know how I'm going to get home. And that next day, without anyone knowing, anyone, someone wrote us a $6,000 check to support us, and I used that for me and the three boys to get home. My daughter is in the neonatal ICU, Andrea tells me her heart is swelling, her liver is swelling. Chet, you're not coming home to a living child. And I get on the airplane. I've almost lost my daughter two weeks before, and now I don't know what I'm going home to. And I go into the airport, I go into the airplane bathroom of Air Afrique. Have you ever heard of Air Afrique? Let me tell you about Air Freak, okay? They still allow goats and chickens down the aisles, okay? <laughs> Air Freak doesn't exist anymore because they broke every FAA rule you can possibly imagine. And this bathroom looked like one of the village outhouses. And I go into that bathroom and I fall on the floor looking at myself in the mirror and all I can hear is God will answer you according to your idols. God got my attention. He loves me so much that he didn't want me to go down the road of my way. He wanted me to go down the road of his way. He loved me so much that he was going to do anything he could to get my attention for the work that he had called for me. And I begged God for mercy on Air Afrique's bathroom floor. Please deliver my child. And when I landed in Fort Lauderdale, by the grace and the mercy of God, not knowns to me, the elders of the church had gone into the neonatal ICU and had laid hands on my daughter, Elia, Within the three days of my travel, not only did God heal her, the nurses and the doctors, they allowed her to leave the hospital supernaturally. They had no idea why she came so miraculously back to health. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe I tell you this story as a warning. Because God is going to do anything he can to get your attention like he's trying to get the attention of this man. Look with me at John chapter 4 verse 47. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went up to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Did you read this? I want you to underline this. When this man heard... When this man heard, we're talking about the journey of faith. We're talking about the journey of faith. And the first thing that I want you to hear about this journey is that you hear about Jesus. That's the first point. The first point is that we hear about Jesus. People were talking about Jesus. Those that believed in him were telling their friends all that he had done. Once I was blind, but now I can see. I was lame. But now I can walk. I was burdened with sin and he looked at me and said, peace, I forgive you. Even the Pharisees that didn't believe in Jesus, they didn't even know that they were promoting the cause of Christ by talking about this new and different way. People were tired of Judaism, just like in the nation of Iran, people are tired of Islam. They want something real. They want God. So the Pharisees who were enemies with Jesus, even though they were talking about this new way, had no idea that they as well were promoting Jesus and sending people to him. And in any case, this man heard. And whether it was from the Pharisees or whether it was from the ones who was believing in Jesus, this man heard and he decided to go. And that's my dream for this church. And if you write down anything, I want you to hear my dream for this church that we would have a faith that knows no bounds, that we would have a hope that faces insurmountable tasks, that we would have a love that's courageous enough to be unconditional, because we're the body of Christ. And when people hear what Jesus is doing here at Coast Hills, they'll be attracted to come to Jesus. And when they hear out in the community, did you hear about that, Coast Hills? Did you hear about those interns? Did you hear she found life and she's breathing life into other people? Did you hear about that young man, Nathan? Did you hear about the fact that he thinks this is the book of Acts happening at Coast Hills? Did you hear about that, Coast Hills? They're doing an intern program. I don't care they talk good, they talk bad, as long as they talk Jesus. And it's happening here at Coast Hills. Amen? See, without knowing it, this man had started a journey of faith. He had a problem and he heard about Jesus. And whether we know it or not, all of us are on a journey to find faith. And throughout the course of our life, God is going to do anything he can to get our attention. It's why it's so important for us to hear the exhortation from John chapter 4 and plant the seeds of faith to go into the world and preach the gospel. The Lord is setting people up to come to him. He's producing life scenarios to draw them to himself. And our job as we are scattered in the world is to plant seeds about Jesus so that when they hear about Jesus, they'll know exactly where to come. I spoke with a family last week. And this family came in contact with this church through an event many years ago. And they faced a problem. And when they faced a problem in their life because they came in contact with this church, they showed up here because they knew this was a place of hope. Oh, how I long for that dream. It's why it's so important for us to go into the world and preach the gospel. Now listen, we talk about the fact that you need to hear about Jesus, but now look at John chapter 4, verse 48, as we continue this journey of faith. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe continuing on the next step of our journey of faith, maybe you want to write it down. Not only do you need to hear about Jesus, number two, you need to hear from Jesus. You need to hear from Jesus. Jesus knew exactly what this man needed to hear in order to be saved. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, uh, Jesus is speaking about the Jews, and he says, the Jews, they require a sign. Later on, Paul would also echo that truth in 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 1, verse 22. Jews demand a sign. And Jesus was telling the man exactly what he needed to hear. You're looking for a sign. You're looking for a miracle. And that's exactly what Jesus told him. He gave him the exact word that he needed to hear. You all know I was a lifeguard for five years on Fort Lauderdale Beach. And for two of those years, I was called the Borny. That's what they called me, the Borny. Okay, I was a born-againer, so they called me Borny. That was just my nickname. It was on my locker, everywhere I went. In my lifeguard tower, they would set me up for failure. Everywhere I went, it was the Borny. Hey, Borny, what's up? Hey, Borny. Hey, Borny. Hey, you want to pray, Borny? (laughs) I mean, these guys were party animals, and here comes the Christian. Well, my captain was not a believer. And I'll never forget, one Christmas, I went over to his house, and when I went over his house, there was a dreidel on his coffee table. And I looked at him and I go, what's up with the dreidel? And I go, oh, dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay, and I sang this song, right? And he goes, my wife is Jewish. God bless you. And I left his house, right? And I was like, man, I've wrecked it, there's no opportunity, and I kept pursuing him. Why did not you come to church? Why don't you come to church? Why don't you come to church, Captain Bill? Just come to church. He never came. Finally, about three years into this experience, one Wednesday night, he and his wife show up and sit at the backseat of the church. I don't even know they're there. The next thing I see at an altar call is Captain Bill and his Jewish wife coming down the aisle to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I was blown away. A few months later, I asked him, what brought you to church? He goes, Jesus set me up. (laughs) I thought I was going to lose my job, and I figured, well, I might as well go pray. So I went and prayed, and of course, the pastor preached exactly what I needed to hear, and it just hit me right in the heart because Jesus knows exactly what to do and to say. And he said, you know what, Chad? I've listened to the sermon the Wednesday before, and I listened to the sermon the Wednesday after. And had I come the Wednesday before or had I come the Wednesday after, I never would have walked in church again. I wasn't ready to hear that message, but Jesus knew what I needed to say here. Jesus knows. That's why we need to bring so that they can hear from Jesus. Because Jesus knows exactly what people need. He knows our heart better than we do. And he knows what we're going through because he's setting up scenarios so that we will be drawn unto him. And as believers, it's why we memorize scripture here at Coast Hills. It's why we take the time to have a a moment. Because if we hide the word of God in our heart, when we're talking to people, what's in our heart will come out of our mouth. The word of God has the power to save. Now our testimony helps. I was blind, but now I see. But it's the word of God that will penetrate straight to the heart and the soul. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, listen to this. You can write the scripture down, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. When we speak the word of God to another human being, it penetrates Right to their core. You don't have to say, Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is about to penetrate you, so here it comes. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is let it just flow out of you. As it's in your heart, it will come out of your mouth. Jesus will take the word of God and will penetrate their hearts. And as we continue down this journey of faith, not only do you need to hear from Jesus the eternal word of God, you're going to have to trust in Jesus, number three. This journey of faith is going to require that you actually trust in Jesus. Look at verse 49. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So our third point, you need to trust in Jesus. It's the next step of our spiritual journey. You need to hear about him. You need to hear from him. And number three, you need to trust in Jesus. You need to trust in him. See, at first, this man doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. He, he doesn't realize the truth of the word that's coming to his heart. All he cares about, my son's dying. Yeah, 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 I hear all your theology. Jews need to sign. But let me tell you something. I got a need right now, Jesus my son is dying. Sir, would you just please come down? He believes enough in Jesus to pray to him and say, would you please just meet my need? He doesn't know that Jesus can heal and he doesn't need to go to Capernaum, even though it's 25 miles away. I can pray today for someone to be healed. And though he's eternally away in heaven, he can still send a word from that far away because he's that close with his word. No, He doesn't know that you really shouldn't direct Jesus. Sir, would you come down to my house? I got an issue. And I don't know how you pray, but sometimes I think we do a little direction with Jesus. You know, we go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to be a doctor, and I'm going to make a lot of money, and I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have 2.3 kids. I'm going to have a little dog, and this is what I want you to bless. And Jesus goes to Chet, no, you're not. I'm going to rip you out of the United States of America. I'm going to plant you in Liberia. You're going to be poor as a church mouse, and watch how I provide. We don't like that. We would rather tell Jesus what to do and then him bless it. We would rather direct Jesus like this man, but he didn't know you really shouldn't direct Jesus. What I love about this man is all he has is a mustard seed of faith. That's it, that's all he's got. That's all he has to offer. I believe that you can do something. I believe that you can heal my child. Now, this is typical of those that first come to Christ. This is typical of those that first get into the word of Christ. Usually, they're much more concerned about their needs than they are understanding the word of God. They got a rent to pay, they got a job to get. Jesus, you got to help me out. Usually when people first come to Christ and they hear the word of God, there's a little bit of misunderstanding. It's why when you come to Christ here at Coast Hills, in the Bible we give you, we don't put in the book of, we don't put the little uh, bookmark in the book of Leviticus. Can you imagine if uh, someone comes to Christ and I go, well, start in the book of Leviticus. How many of you have ever even read Leviticus? Yeah, Praise the Lord. It's my favorite book in the Bible. But it wasn't my favorite book in the Bible when I was 16 or 17 years old. Burnt offerings and peace offerings and grain offerings. What in the world are these things? No, here at Coast Hills, we put a bookmark in the book of John. It tells the story of Jesus. It's easy to understand. You see, they're little lambs. These new believers that come to Christ, we've got to have a lot of grace with these lambs. They're gonna mess up. I got some secrets about the interns. They have messed up. They've embarrassed me, shh, don't tell them. They've done some things that I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? I would never go that way. And what am I gonna do? You're out. I can't believe you don't understand. No. Follow me and I will make you disciples. This is a process. This is a journey. Of course you don't understand. The opportunity is with a lamb to become a sheep. And as love overlooks a multitude of sins, that's what Peter says. As love overlooks a multitude of sins, Jesus gives him another word that he needs to hear more than any other thing because he loves him despite the fact that he's directing him, despite the fact that he doesn't understand the theology, despite the fact that he just doesn't get it. He looks at him and gives him a word. Go, your son will live. Will you think for a moment how that word penetrated straight to his heart? Will you just think for a moment? That's exactly what he needed to hear. And in some supernatural way that only the Word can, he trusted in this Word. He knew what Jesus was saying was going to happen. It resonated with him, it resonated in the depths of his soul that for some reason he couldn't explain why what Jesus was saying was true. And the man believed. And he put his trust in the words of Jesus. And the Bible says, quote, unquote, he went on his way. Think of the humility this took on his part.
1: This was a royal
0: official. Think of what it took for him to believe. He came to get Jesus and bring him to his house. And Jesus is sending him away without him. Think of what it took. But he knew in his heart, this is true. This is right. And some of you are sitting here right now and Jesus has spoken a word and you know what he's saying is true. Will you choose to follow the step of faith of this man and go on your way in obedience to the words of Christ? He put his trust in the words of Jesus. He put his trust in his word. The man continues on his journey. Would you look with me at chapter 4, verse 51? And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, underline that in your Bible, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. This amazes me. It amazes me when Jesus spoke the word, the peace of God that passes understanding filled his heart. This was a 25-mile walk. This was a 50-mile round trip. And the servants, well, the servants, they met him halfway. Somewhere along the line from Cana to Capernaum, they met him halfway. And they met him halfway on the following day. That means this father found somewhere to sleep on the road instead of continuing his journey. You think your child is dying. I'm going to walk through the night. I don't care what it takes, but this man was so filled with the peace of God that came from the Word of God, he found somewhere to sleep, and his servants met him the following day. No wonder Paul would read this story and say to the church, don't be anxious for anything, but pray because that's what this man did. And he said in Philippians chapter 4, and when you pray, God is going to give you a peace that passes your understanding. And that's what happened to this man. And so many of us, we start freaking out about life and what's going on when Jesus is drawing us closer to him so that we'll simply come to him and pray. But you know what else amazes me? What else amazes me is that the truth of the word of Jesus is always true and it will always surpass your expectations. It always does. You see, when he saw the servants, he asked them, When did he start to recover? The servants responded, "Um, No, the fever just left him. He asks, Is he recovering? Is he getting better? Is he coming out of bed? Did the fever break? And they respond, He's playing. Like, He is totally healed. He is up. He's got his Legos. He's doing the whole deal at the house. I'm telling you, man, you got to come and see what happens. So the man goes, when did this happen? He tried to figure out the word of God. He tried to figure out the will of God. And he goes, now when did this happen? And they said the seventh hour. And all of a sudden, the man, that's exactly when the word spoke to me it's true. It will always be true. And you can question it, and you can wonder about it, just like this man, but you will come up with the same answer that he did. It's always going to be true. So let me tell you, young person, when the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals, try to prove it wrong. You won't. You won't. You hang around bad. You become bad. That's exactly what the Bible says. You can't prove it wrong. You can't prove it wrong. You just can't. The Bible says, listen, if you're anxious, pray. He'll give you peace. Try to prove it wrong. Try to prove it wrong. Wonder about it. Question it. Because I love when people question the word of God, you're going to come to the same conclusion that he did. He believed. He believed. So much so, would you look with me right there at the end of verse 53 And he himself believed and all his household. And this was the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Finally, number four, I want you to write it down. Not only will you believe, but when this journey of faith happens and you come to the place of belief, you will tell others about Jesus. You'll tell others about Jesus. It's just the natural progression of our faith. And that's what he does. This dad goes home, and imagine this homecoming. He had walked a 50-mile round-trip ticket. He, He had left a problem that he was helpless to solve. And now he came home to a little boy that came running to him, and in Hebrew said, Abba. Imagine the celebration that was going on. And Jesus knew exactly what this man needed to believe. Now, I need to let you know something. This story doesn't end like this for everybody. You see, for this man and this man's journey, Jesus knew what he needed in order to be saved. He knew what he needed. And so he spoke a word to him Your son will live. Because Jesus knew that was the word that he needed to be saved. He needed. Sometimes we go to God with our wants, and yet it's not the will of God. He knows what we need. You see, the man, the man wanted Jesus to come to his house. The man wanted Jesus to come, but Jesus didn't go. Imagine what he felt. Maybe some dashed expectations. But the greater story is not that this son lived. The greater story is that this man chose to trust Jesus despite he didn't live up to his expectations. Church, not only did this man believe, he then breathed life into every single one of his family members as he told them about Jesus. I don't know what your story is, and I don't know what you need But I pray you follow the example of this man that however Jesus speaks to you, you will follow. Because I do promise this, there's always life in his name. What journey are you on? Everyone in here is on a journey. And God is doing everything he can, believer and unbeliever, to get your attention. Amen. So Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless us now with just the impact of your word to fill our hearts and minds that we, Lord, would start our journey of faith. And maybe as a believer, we need to follow the example of this man Though you don't live up to what we thought you should do, we still follow faithfully. And maybe, sitting here as an unbeliever, we start within the step of faith and we hear about Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand?